My name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, The Story Podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 156, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, 2 Kings 17, Micah 5-7, through and Psalm 140. In the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, Hoshea, son of Allah, became king of Israel and Samaria, and he reigned nine years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, but not like the kings of Israel who preceded him. Shalomanesar, king of Assyria, came up to attack Hoshea who had been Shalamanesar's vessel and had paid him tribute. But the king of Assyria discovered that Hoshea was a traitor, for he had sent envoys to So, king of Egypt, and he no longer paid tribute to the king of Assyria, as he had done year by year. Therefore, Shalamanesar seized him and put him in prison. The king of Assyria invaded the entire land, marched against Samaria, and laid siege to it for three years. In the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria captured Samaria and deported the Israelites to Assyria. He settled them in Hala, in Gozan, on the Haber River, and in the towns of the Medes. All this took place because the Israelites had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of Egypt from under the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. They worshipped other gods and followed the practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before them as well as the practices that the kings of Israel had introduced. The Israelites secretly did things against the Lord their God that were not right. From watchtower to fortified city, they built themselves high places in all their towns. They set up sacred stones and Asherah poles on every high hill and under every spreading tree. At every high place they burned incense, as the nations whom the Lord had driven out before them had done. They did wicked things that aroused the Lord's anger. They worshipped idols, so the Lord had said, You shall not do this. The Lord warned Israel and Judah through all his prophets and seers, Turn from your evil ways, observe my commands and decrees, in accordance with the entire law that I commanded your ancestors to obey, and that I delivered to you through my servants the prophets. But they would not listen, and were as stiff-necked as their ancestors, who did not trust in the Lord their God. They rejected his decrees and the covenant he had made with their ancestors and the statutes he had warned them to keep. They followed worthless idols and themselves became worthless. They imitated the nations around them, although the Lord had ordered them, do not do as they do. They forsook all the commands of the Lord their God and made for themselves two idols cast in the shapes of calves and an Asherah pole. They bowed down to all the starry hosts and they worshiped Baal. They sacrificed their sons and daughters in the fire. They practiced divination and sought omens and sold themselves to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. So the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from his presence. Only the tribe of Judah was left, and even Judah did not keep the commands of the Lord their God. They followed the practices Israel had introduced. Therefore, the Lord rejected all the people of Israel. He afflicted them and gave them into the hands of plunderers until he thrust them from his presence. When he tore Israel away from the house of David, they made Jeroboam, son of Nebat, their king. 
Jeroboam enticed Israel away from the following, the Lord, and caused them to commit a great sin. The Israelites persisted in all the sins of Jeroboam and did not turn away from them, until the Lord removed them from his presence, as he had warned through all his servants the prophets. So the people of Israel were taken from their homeland into exile in Assyria, and they are still there. The king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, Kutha, Ava, Hamath, and Shepharavim, and settled them in the towns of Samaria to replace the Israelites. They took over Samaria and lived in its towns. When they first lived there, they did not worship the Lord, so he sent lions among them, and they killed some of the people. It was reported to the king of Assyria, The people you deported and resettled in the towns of Samaria do not know what the God of that country requires. He has sent lions among them, which are killing them off, because the people do not know what he requires. Then the king of Assyria gave this order, Have one of the priests you took captive from Samaria go back to live there and teach the people what the God of the land requires. So one of the priests who had been exiled from Samaria came to live in Bethel and taught them how to worship the Lord. Nevertheless, each national group made its own gods in the several towns where they settled and set them up in shrines the people of Samaria had made at the high places. The people from Babylon made Sukkoth, Benoth, those from Kuthah, made Nergal, and those from Samoth made Ashimah. The Abites made Nibhaz and Tartak, and the Saravites burned their children in the fire as sacrifices to Adramelech and Anamelech, the gods of Sepharvarim. They worshiped the Lord, but they also appointed all sorts of their own people to officiate for them as priests in the shrines at the high places. They worshiped the Lord, but they also served their own gods in accordance with the customs of the nations from which they had been brought. To this day, they persist in their own former practices. They neither worship the Lord nor adhere to the decrees and regulations, the laws and commands that the Lord gave the descendants of Jacob, whom he named Israel. When the Lord made a covenant with the Israelites, he commanded them, do not worship any other gods or bow down to them, serve them or sacrifice to them. But the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt with mighty power and outstretched arm is the one you must worship. To him you shall bow down and to him offer sacrifices. You must always be careful to keep the decrees and regulations, the laws and commands he wrote for you. Do not worship other gods. Do not forget the covenant I have made with you and do not worship other gods. Rather, worship the Lord your God. It is he who will deliver you from the hand of all your enemies. They would not listen, however, but persisted in their former practices. Even while these people were worshiping the Lord, they were serving their idols. To this day, their children and grandchildren continue to do as their ancestors did. Micah chapter 5. Marshal your troops now, city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she, who is in labor, bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. And he will be our peace. When the Assyrians invade our land and march through our fortresses, we will raise against them 
seven shepherds, even eight commanders who will rule the land of Assyria with the sword, the land of Nimrod with drawn sword. He will deliver us from the Assyrians when they invade our land and march across our borders. The remnant of Jacob will be in the midst of many people like dew from the Lord, like showers on the grass, which do not wait for anyone or depend on man. The remnant of Jacob will be among the nations in the midst of many people, like a lion among the beasts of the forest, like a young lion among flocks of sheep, which mauls and mangles as it goes, and no one can rescue." Your hand will be lifted up in triumph over your enemies, and all your foes will be destroyed. In that day, declares the Lord, I will destroy your horses from among you and demolish your chariots. I will destroy the cities of your land and tear down all your strongholds. I will destroy your witchcraft, and you will no longer cast spells. I will destroy your idols and your sacred stones from among you. You will no longer bow down to the work of your hands. I will uproot from among you your Asherah poles when I demolish your cities. I will take vengeance and anger and wrath on the nations that have not obeyed me. Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up. Plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear your mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth, for the Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel, my people. What have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. My people remember what Balak king of Moab plotted and what Balaam son of Beor answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Listen, the Lord is called to the city, and to fear your name is wisdom. Heed the rod and the one who appointed it. Am I still to forget your ill-gotten treasures, you wicked house, and the short FF which is accursed? I shall acquit someone with dishonest scales, with a bag of false weights. Your rich people are violent, your inhabitants are liars, and their tongues speak deceitfully. Therefore, I have begun to destroy you, to ruin you because of your sins. You will eat but not be satisfied. Your stomach will still be empty. You will store up but save nothing, because what you save I will give to the sword. You will plant but not harvest. You will press olives but not use the oil. You will crush grapes but not drink the wine. You have observed the statutes of Omri and all the practices of Ahab's house and have followed their traditions. Therefore, I will give you over to ruin and your people to derision. You will bear the scorn of the nations. What misery is mine? I am like one who gathers summer fruit at the gleaning of the vineyard. There is no cluster of grapes to eat, none of the early figs that I crave. The faithful have been swept from the land. Not one upright person remains. Everyone lies in wait to shed blood. They hunt each other with nets. Both hands are skilled in doing evil. The ruler demands gifts. The judge accepts bribes. The powerful dictate what they desire. They all conspire together. The best of them is like a briar, the most upright worse than a thorn's hedge. The day God visits you has come. The day your watchmen sound the alarm. 
Now is the time of your confusion. Do not trust a neighbor. Put no confidence in a friend. Even with the woman who lies in your embrace, guard the words of your lips. For a son dishonors his father. A daughter rises up against her mother. A daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the members of his own household. But as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Because I have sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath until he pleads my case and upholds my cause. He will bring me out into the light. I will see his righteousness. Then my enemy will see it and will be covered with shame. She who said to me, where is the Lord your God? My eyes will see her downfall. Even now she will be trampled underfoot like mire in the streets. The day for building your walls will come. The day for extending your boundaries. In that day, people will come to you from Assyria and the cities of Egypt, even from Egypt to the Euphrates and from sea to sea and from mountain to mountain. The earth will become desolate because of its inhabitants and the result of their deeds. Shepherd your people with your staff and the flock of your inheritance, which lives by itself in a forest and fertile pasture lands. Let them feed in Bashan and Gilead as in days long ago. As in the days when you came out of Egypt, I will show them my wonders. Nations will see and be ashamed, deprived of all their power. They will put their hands over their mouths, and their ears will become deaf. They will lick dust like a snake, like creatures that crawl on the ground. They will come trembling out of their dens. They will turn in fear to the Lord our God and will be afraid of you. Who is a God like you? Who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. You will be faithful to Jacob and show love to Abraham as you pledged on oath to our ancestors in days long ago. Psalm 140. Rescue me. Lord, from evildoers, protect me from the violent, who devise evil plans in their hearts and stir up war every day. They make their tongues as sharp as a serpent's, the poison of vipers in all their lips. Keep me safe, Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Protect me from the violent who devise ways to trip my feet. The arrogant have hidden a snare for me. They have spread out the cords of their net and have set traps for me along my path. I say to the Lord, you are my God. Hear, Lord, my cry for mercy. Sovereign Lord, my strong deliverer, you shield my head in the day of battle. Do not grant the wicked their desires, Lord. Do not let their plans succeed. Those who surround me proudly rear their heads. May the mischief of their lips engulf them. May burning coals fall on them. May they be thrown into the fire, into miry pits never to rise. May slanderers not be established in the land. May disaster hunt down the violent. I know the Lord secures justice for the poor and upholds the cause of the needy. Surely the righteous will praise your name and the upright will live in your presence. The northern kingdom of Israel is coming to an end. As we're reading 2 Kings 17, and while the place is still God's and the new king from Assyria seems to acknowledge or at least give a token or tribute to Yahweh God, it is to them one of many other gods and they engage in countless, it seems, acts of idolatry, adultery, even child sacrifice, all the things God had delivered Israel from and helped them conquer to be a central people 
and a central place where God could dwell with them and be a blessing to all the nations. Oh, tragedy. But the prophet Micah reminds us there's also hope. We end the book of Micah today, and while there's this sense of tragic loss coming off of 2 Kings 17, when we read about the northern kingdom of Israel being exiled, taken over by Assyria, and we read here in Micah that God will let us leave his presence, let them leave his presence. Basically, I'm thinking Genesis 3 in my head. His special place, he let them leave his special place, a close relationship with him, just as he allowed Adam and Eve to morally defect and be exiled from the Garden of Eden. There will be consequences, but God is not only slow to anger as we read before. In Micah 7, it says, he will not stay angry forever, and he delights in mercy and will again experience, we will experience his compassion. Although we don't deserve it, and it's not based on our merit, he will hurl our sins into the depths of the sea. God will keep his covenant with Abraham and Jacob. In the earlier part of Micah, we read about Israel, but also it feels like humanity's struggle and failure with sin. We read what the Lord wants from Israel, from us and our response in Micah 6 and 7, to act justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. This is goodness. The prophet Micah also models a posture of living through hard seasons, to watch and hope for the Lord, to wait for God our Savior, and to have faith that God will hear us, hear our prayer. As Dr. Mackey reminds us, the book of Micah again displays God's character and God's faithfulness to his promises. His mercy is greater than his anger. There's a back and forth in the story between judgment and hope. There's a reflection back to the promises God made in Genesis 12, 15, and 17 to Abraham and Jacob where they were appointed and called to be a blessing, but they must remain faithful in order to have this role. Because of God's goodness, he must confront evil and judgment, pulling all out, all that is defective, and through mercy and grace, restoring and redeeming and healing, because he's not a God of destruction. The book concludes with how God delights in covenant love and will again show compassion. I'm reminded of a conversation I had with one of my daughters. Like them, I recognize that when something is hard, we sometimes want to pray that God ends the suffering or delivers us or spares us. This triggered me to remember David from 2 Samuel 12, verses 16 to 34, after the prophet told him his son would die because of his sin. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused and he would not eat any food with them. And on the seventh day, his child died. David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they thought while the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us when we spoke to him. How can we now tell him the child is dead? He may do something desperate. David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves, and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead? He asked. Yes, they replied. He's dead. Then David got up from the ground. After he had washed, put on lotions, and changed his clothes, he went in the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he went to his own house, and at his request, they served him food and he ate. His attendants asked him, Why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept, but now the child is dead. You get up and eat. He answered, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, Who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, 
but he will not return to me. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba. For me, there's a few things I seek to remember from this story when facing hard situations. One, God can spare us, and he might. We can pray for this, and there's record of this happening too. But there are also valleys of the shadow of death that we've read about, and storms that we will not avoid for reasons like we read in Job that we may not be able to reason out at some point in our lives. And like David, we can make a sacrifice of praise. We can continue our faithfulness to God, acknowledging that He is wisdom and goodness itself, not something that we compare to goodness and wisdom. We remember from Ecclesiastes that we have and we are, all the things that we are and have, are like a vapor. We can experience them with gratitude, but they're not things we can put our fists around and hold onto tight and control. They're all God's. So perhaps we endure a season of intercessory prayer and or a season of lament if and when things don't go the way we would like. But then when the outcome, the decision, the thing outside our control delivers the reality, we wash up, we moisturize, we put our clothes on, we eat, and we give comfort, love, and we're a blessing to those around us and our spheres of influence. And we remember God is restorative. His love and His mercy are greater than any form of anger or wrath. And he's a healer. And we live in a story with no end and a kingdom with no end. There's so much about this, which is hard, but important to wrestle with. I know I do. Pray for me. I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.